Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we continue our study through the book of Romans. And today we are back to chapter 6. We started part 1 last week of chapter 6, got through about 12 verses. Today we're going to finish out this chapter, chapter 6. We're in the section talking about sanctification, growing as a Christian. How do you grow as a Christian? How do you overcome sin as a Christian? That's the section of Romans that we're talking about. So, without further ado, let's get started with our study. Thank you again for listening and being a part of the podcast. Romans chapter 6 is where we are going to go back to today. Romans 6, we... we, uh, Got into it last week a little bit. We backed up to chapter 5 for a few verses because he talked about how where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And so the kind of the, the twisted thinking is that if if I sin a lot and God gives a lot of grace, maybe I should just keep sinning so God keeps giving grace and then God gets more glory because he's just giving grace to a bunch of sinners. And so it was a kind of a weird way of thinking, can I just keep sinning? And the answer to Paul said was, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And so he used that question that he assumed would come to teach a lesson that is important for all of us today. And it was a lesson on our relationship to sin now because of the gospel. We often think of salvation as the moment when whenever you pray by faith, you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and immediately what we think is, now I'm not going to hell, I'm going to hell, and that's great. But what we forget about is that same moment changed your current state and your relationship with sin. And now you don't have to be overcome by sin, you have the overcomer abiding within you, Jesus Christ. And so the Christian life is not meant to be this roller coaster where sin wins all the time and every once in a while we see a victory. It's supposed to be a life of we see victory because of faith in Christ and we're surprised by the defeats that we still have because sin does still, it's still there, but it doesn't rain. In Galatians is another passage. I almost started there, and you, but you're familiar with the passage, I think, as I talk about it. I've taught it a lot, but remember in Galatians, he says, he talks about the flesh wars against the spirit. And he tells us to walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's saying kind of the same principle. If I walk in the spirit, uh, under the spirit's lead, when do we get the Holy Spirit, by the way? Salvation, very good. Let's not throw that question out there. When it's like, whoa, why are you throwing questions, all right? 10 o'clock in the morning, we don't need questions. But you got it right. We received the Holy Spirit at salvation. And so what he tells us over in Galatians is you walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he kind of gives this, he says, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. That's an old English word. It means it's just that you are with the Spirit. And the Spirit warreth against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to another. They don't like each other. And so he's telling us in that, in that, and he's setting this up, that you still have that flesh. And that flesh wants you to sin even after you get saved. But that flesh, is kind of what we were getting at yesterday, is no longer your master. Not yesterday, last week. Is no longer your master. And so though it's a presence, and though it's a powerful presence, 
And some of you may have experienced his powerful presence even this morning. But it is not the king. Because when you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in. The Holy Spirit now reigns in your life, but as we're going to see here, we started last week, we have to know that fact to be true. It starts with an understanding. If you don't know something, then, then you're not going to act on it. So we have to know that sin is not my master. Jesus Christ is. We start with no. Then he says, lastly, we have to reckon that to be true. It just means, as I use the illustration of, you have a million dollars. If I told last week, I said, if I told Aaron he has a million dollars in his bank account, he may say, great, it's good to know. But if he never reckons it to be true, if he never goes and takes some withdrawals and uses it, and I got to where I said he's just living under an overpass, then he knew something because I told him, but he never acted on it. He never reckoned it to be true. So did he really believe it? And he was suffering because of that. So we have to know something to be true. We have to count it as true and act on it. And then it came to, we were coming to this third part that we're going to start today, starting in verse 13 when he says, and though I want to go back to 12, but in verse 13 is where we're going to get to when he says, neither yield ye your members. That's the third word in this phrase. Know, reckon, and yield. That's where we see victory. Know your position in your relationship with sin. Reckon that to be true, and then yield to your new master. But look at where we finished last week in verse 12. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. He gave a final conclusion. And I gave an illustration of two places that I worked. Can you remember the first place that I worked that I did not like? Walmart. Very good. And I remember, okay, let's see how really good you're listening. What was the name of my boss that just said? Wow, you guys don't listen to anything Bible, but you know my illustrations, all right? Jean, yeah, Jean, she was out, uh, she, she didn't really oversee anybody, she was letting people do math, she would go join them, I would be doing all the work, I didn't want anything to do with it. And a quick overview of that is I said, I used to work there for about six months. If I walked into Walmart today, and Jean was there, which I said she would never still be there, but if Jean was there, and Jean yelled at me and said, Hey, Brad, get in there and clean them toilets. You know what I would say to Gene? You are no longer my master. I will not do it. And I'd walk right out. Which, if I walk into Walmart, it's a bad day anyway. But she's no longer my master. She can't tell me what to do. Now, 20 years ago, if I would have walked in at that graveyard shift, and Gene would have said, Hey, Brad, get in there and clean the toilets. And I said, Gene, I'm not going to do it. I'd be in big trouble. Because I was under her... She was my boss. She was my master. Well, that was your task at, at Walmart? Well, that was one of them. Now, I like to go. I had to clean the floors, too, scrub the floors, wax the floors. So if anybody ever asked me, I was a floor waxer person. You know, really, I, I was scrubbing the toilets. Yeah, they call me the twin queen. Yeah? <laughs> well, we could use you sometimes because I'm tired of doing it. No, I don't do it. But that's where, that's my job. I didn't like it. But I had another job. Where was my other job at? Lever. Ooh, love that job. Lever. Because the times we were there, you, I mean, you, you got to ride around on a Dixie. We were mowing on a Dixie. I mean, you had these sweet green pants. Sweet green pants. But when I worked there, you didn't have to wear your shirt. So those guys were like, oh, we're tan as teenagers. But then they made a rule at the end. So we're just, we're just riding these Dixies, mowing, push mowing. Got these gators that were driving around, hiding in the graveyard over there. Ryan knows where that's at. And then the boss, I mean, we had a cool boss. It was great. 
And I said last week, if I were to go into maybe Lieber even today, and if my clean room was still there, and Mike said, Brad, you want to jump on a Dixie for me? Put those cool green pants on and go mow? You know what I would probably say? Sure. I put the headphones in. I like to mow on a Dixie. Zero term. We were flying in those things. I, I maybe. I now, is he my master anymore? Is he my boss? No. Could I say the same thing to him that I said to Gene? Yeah. But I kind of like it. And I said last week as we end, and the reason I start there is sometimes when we come to this passage, we look at it as, we come to the mindset as, yeah, all sin is just like Gene, and I'm going to say no. But actually, sometimes we kind of have a little bit of that lever sin. We kind of like it. And so that's why we live in defeat. And I'm not saying sins like, uh, I'm not saying sins like, oh, I like to get drunk, and so that's what, no, no, I'm saying sins that we justify, like, well, I, I like my anger because that's what they did. So I may not like anger in general, but if you knew the story that they did to me, then you would understand why this pet sin of anger is okay. Well, no, it's still not okay, no matter what they've done. So, we've got to get to this third point. Because we don't want to live a life that's constantly defeated by sin. But we know, because Galatians even tells us, that we're going to have the flesh, and it's going to be warm against the Spirit every day, but we already have victory because Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection didn't just get me to heaven, but he gave me victory over sin today, but a lot of us don't choose. Because he says in verse 13, this is the next step, he says, neither yield ye your members, talking about your members there is yet the idea of your body, as instruments, another word for the instruments is weapons, but don't yield your member or your body as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. So the third word here, he tells us, yes, last week you got to know and you got to reckon it to be true, but now we're getting into action. He says, you've got to actually yield to your new master. And so you're going to face a situation in life, and you're going to face sometimes when, and it's hard to pick an illustration. I keep just, I don't know why I pick anger, because it's easy sometimes to relate to, or it's easy to pick bitterness, because it's easy to relate to. But, I mean, pick whatever you want. And think about that sin right there. You're going to have some times in your life when your flesh is going to want to get into that sin, and your spirit's going to be saying, no, that's wrong. And some of us get to the mindset that I have to do it. There's no, I have to do it. It's impossible. But he says here that we are to yield to our new master, Jesus Christ. Yield to the Spirit. You may not want to, and you may not think you're able to. Those are two big things. Some of us just don't want to. That's a hard issue. We need to choose to yield to our new master. But some of us, we feel like we can't. And that's the one I want to get at right now. We just feel like we can't. I can't do this. I can't overcome this sin. I can't get over this situation. I, can't, I cannot do it. And I hate the word I can't in the Christian life. Because through Jesus Christ who we have, we can't. The, the I can't is an attack on faith. See, when you got saved, think about the moment you got saved. None of you did anything to get saved, right? What you did is, you, wherever you were, you bowed your head, you prayed, and by faith, you received Jesus Christ, right? 
If you didn't, then you went some other way that we need to talk about after class. But by faith. Now, you can't get yourself to heaven, and every one of us would know that. If I were to sit down and quiz you and say, hey, how are you going to get yourself to heaven? If you know something about the Bible, every one of you is going to look at me and say, Brad, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And if I push him, I'm like, come on, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to get yourself to heaven? You're going to say, Brad, I can't do anything. It's only by faith. And if I were to push you more and I said, all right, you're telling me that you, you are going to get to heaven and all you're going to do is trust a God that you cannot see. And you pray to prayer to a God you cannot see and that trust, that faith is going to get you to the impossible place. And you said, yes. Okay. But then I talk to you when you deal with sin. And I say, hey, how are you going to deal with that anger? Well, I don't know. I can't. Well, hold on. You just told me. You're going to pray to a God you cannot see to help you overcome, to get to a place that you can't, it's impossible for you to get to. Yeah. But now you can't even deal with this sin. No. Let's keep the other wrong mindset. Here's what we do. When we're struggling with whatever sin it is, the same way we were saved is the same way we live. Remember Romans chapter 1 when he says, the just shall live by faith. It's faith that saved me and it's faith that's going to overcome my sin. So whatever the sin is, I'm struggling with that sin right now. I don't want to struggle with that sin anymore. And so I come to God and I say, God, help me overcome this. To God I cannot see. To a problem that I can see, but I feel like I cannot overcome. <coughs> And then I have to do this verse right here. Yield myself to God. So I have to act in a way that's biblical, even though I may not feel like it, even though it may not seem right in my mind, because I'm trusting God. And you know what happens? As we walk in faith and obedience, God begins to change us. Depends on what the sin is. I've talked to people, when I worked for five years, with people with drugs and alcohol situations, now, there's some that are more severe that take some detox and things like that. But you know what? A lot of our sins are just a matter of faith. We don't trust God to help us overcome. One simple illustration is I remember one time I was laying in bed, overcome with worry. I mean, overcome with worry. If you're a worrier, you know what I mean. I was just worried to death. I was tossing and turning in my bed. I could not sleep. And I, I, been, I recently, for whatever reason, had taught something on this lesson that I'm going to get into on this truth. But I was so overcome with worry, and then I sat there, and it's, I mean, it's not like worry is the sin that if everybody finds out, you're going, oh, is this guy even saved? I can't even <laughs> believe this. And it was probably over a situation that was nothing, but it's not like anything found out. It's not like an affair or something. It was just, I was worrying over something I couldn't sleep. And I get to think, I was like, God, this is wrong. Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I don't have <coughs> peace right now. I'm not right with you. And I just taught a lesson about some big sins, that if you're in this big sin, you just got to trust God and obey. And, and, and so, God, I just, right now, I'm praying and I'm asking you, based on what Galatians says, that you give peace. And I'm in worry, so I'm in my flesh. I'm asking you to give me peace. And I'm just going to close my eyes and go to sleep. And after hours of tossing and turning, I don't know the exact time, I don't want to embellish the story, but probably after about five to ten minutes, I just went to sleep. And you know what? I got up and I praised God. I forgot about it. Didn't think about it. Because it was such a minor thing. 
But I thought about it later that day, and I thought, you know what? God gave me peace when I just simply <clears throat> trusted him. And there's a situation in our life when we're going to face different sins when we got to trust him. You know we sing the song, Trust and Obey? There's a great author that writes about these truths, about the gospel, how it changes our Christian life and our relationship to sin. And he says if he could change the title, he would say, Trust to Obey. He says it's not really two things, trust and then go do something. It's trust to obey, because a lot of us feel like we cannot do that thing but we trust God to enable us to do it. And when you trust God, that's the trigger that gives the victory. It's faith. All right? So let's read a few verses. He says, don't yield your new member. Now that you have a new relationship with sin, don't yield yourself to your sin, but yield yourselves to God. You're not under the dominion of sin anymore. So then verse 15, he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? God forbid. That's kind of where he started the chapter. Okay, so if I'm no longer under law, but I'm under, I'm under grace, God's just going to give me more grace, then maybe I'll just keep sinning, which there's a great book, uh, not a great book, so take that 100% back. There's a book out there by, I think, I think Chuck Swindoll, so it's something about grace, and it's kind of, I, I should preface by this, I've not read the entire thing, I've only read what people say about it, so let me preface with that. The idea is, hey, we're under grace, so it's really, you can do whatever you want. Now, he's not going to say going out and living all these kinds of sins, but he's saying it's not really a big deal. And some people will do some things and say, hey, I'm under grace. No, no, no. Grace, Titus is teaching us the denying in godliness and worldly lusts. That's what grace does. It teaches us to not want to be a part of sin. We ought to be thankful for what God has done and not want to be a part of sin. So in this, he says, no, you're not. He says, God forbid, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants... Ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You may say that sin is no longer my master, but if you just keep feeding sin, sin really is your master. And it's a shame. Because he's no longer he shouldn't be your master. You're allowing someone. If I imagine how pathetic I would look if every time I walk into Walmart right now, I mean let's just say Jim and I walk into Walmart today because it's a bad day for us. Alright? And we walk into Walmart. And Jim's with me, and he's heard this illustration, and Gene comes up. And Gene says, Fred, get over here. Clean these toilets. And I went, all right, Gene. And I walk in. He said, Fred, what are you doing with that? She told me I, I have to do it. And then I go in the next time, and I'm with maybe Aaron, and we walk in. And Gene says, Brad, I see you again. Hey, back bathrooms. Let's clean. And I go, yeah, okay. I'll just do it. I just constantly just, I'm getting no paycheck, nothing's happening, I'm just constantly, every one of you are going to go, what a pansy, quit, quit doing this. But a lot of us, that's what we do with sin. Every every week it's like, oh, here we are, back to my word. Yeah, back to back to this business, back to this, this pornography, back to this, yeah, here I am, I'm back again. Why? Yield your members to God. Say, well, I can't overcome. Anytime you say the words, I can't, when it deals with the Christian life, I want you to think about this moment right here. All right? You can. You can't. You're right. But you can in Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ. You have a new position and a new master. Your old master wants to destroy your life. I'll show you some verses in a minute. Your new master wants to empower you to live victorious over that sin. All you have to do is yield your members, yield your body, yield your tongue. Yield your hands, yield your eyes, yield your feet, 
Yield yourselves to God in that moment as you're tempted to go into this sin. And say, God, I know I should not do that. I want to. I feel like I have to. But I'm going to trust you and do what I know I'm supposed to do. I may not feel like it. I may not think I can. I don't even know the next step. But I'm going to do that. Now, we think of that in the big things. I'm never going to get through this because I'm trying to illustrate it too many ways. But if we think about that in the big things, think about if God calls you to be a missionary. Think, of, think about if God called Chris Hosefel to be a missionary today in church. Mother's Day, and he's like, I just see bawling at the altar. He's like, God wants me to be a missionary to Zambia. And we're all like, whoa. Now that takes some faith. Because then I say, okay, Chris, what's the next step? And he goes, I have no idea. What do I do to be a missionary? Like, all right, well, you you got to, like, quit your job. Oh, that's a big step, yeah. But let's say Chris quits his job. And they were like, yeah, you got to go travel around for two years and raise support. And he's like, all right, you've already got the vehicle for it. So he's got that big old vehicle. So Chris just starts driving the churches, calling churches, cold calling churches like crazy. And, and when, when we talk about that, then we're all like, wow, we see the faith. He quit his job, big faith. He's calling churches big faith. He's doing, that's big faith. You know what else is big faith? To look at your worry, look at your anger, look at your bitterness, look at that tongue that wants to be critical, and say, you know what? I know this is who I am and who I tend to want to be. But God, I'm going to choose not to today, and I need your help because I really am tempted. And God, by faith, I know that's wrong, and by faith, I'm asking you to, I'm yielding myself to you to do right. And you know what? You may get through one day and you didn't have a critical tongue or you didn't have to worry about something. And no one's going to go around and say, wow, quit his job. You begin. But you know what? In your heart, you know what you're going to have? Peace. For the first time in some time, you're going to have peace with a sin that you've been wrestling with. You know what? I think it's a lot of times in Christian in churches, I've been convinced, it's not the adulteries and it's not the murders and it's not the, the, the drunkenness that's really destroying our churches. It's not walking in the Spirit. It's instead of having joy, we got frustration. And no one really talks about it. Instead of having peace, we have worry. Instead of being long-suffering, we got a quick temper. And all these things, we're just like, no, that's just who we are. No, that's the flesh. The Spirit says, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so he says, you gotta, he says, should we continue and sin? No, it doesn't matter. Big sin, little sin. No, we have victory. We gotta know, we've got to reckon that to be true. And then we gotta yield ourselves to our new servant. He says in verse 17, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. You were the servants to that sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, the gospel. Being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. So now you can serve God. Now you serve righteousness. You don't have to serve the sin that was controlling you before. He says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so, even so now yield your members and servants to righteousness and to holiness. And listen to these verses and think about your life before you were saved. Think about your life when you, whatever sin that you struggle with. And you guys, you know it. I know mine. All right? I could do a one, two, three, call it out. But that would be really awkward, wouldn't it? All right, so 
It reminds me of another story I don't have time to tell, but that would be really awkward. But you know your sin. So think about your sin right now when we read this next few verses. He says in verse, verse 21, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Think about that. What fruit, what results did you have in that sin that you're now ashamed of? That life that you used to live, did, what fruit did it give? Did it really bring true joy? Did it really bring you true peace? Or, he says, does it bring, make you ashamed when you think about that former life? You know, those little sins that I'm just, I, I say little only for our context. I don't mean little in the sense of actually how God views it, but I say little in our context because we always put like big sins up here, adultery, murder, those things. Little sins are the ones that we just struggle with, like our things I've been illustrating. But so our little sins, does it though really bring you peace? That night when I was tossing and turning that bed, I didn't have any peace. It wasn't like life destroying. Boy, I didn't have peace. I didn't like the feeling. I don't like the feeling of anger. I don't like the feeling of... So think about that. He says, what profit? And those things that you're now ashamed for the end of those things is death. And so... When sin is my master, my life profits nothing. There's no profit in it. It's constantly draining me. It's not building me up. When sin is my master, my life was full of actions that I'm now ashamed of. When sin was my master, my destiny was death. But now, it says, but now being made free from sin, verse 22, you become the servants of God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. He says, so now with Christ as my master... My life can bear fruit of a holy life. It, it's something that is something that you're proud of. You know, just today, uh, driving here, I won't say too much. I don't want to embarrass my wife. It's a very private person, but she got to uh, share the gospel with someone recently, and, and they got saved. And she was driving here, and she was asking about one of my brother's lessons he taught. And I thought, no one ever cares about my brother's lesson. Why is she asking about that? Just kidding. That's my brother. I'm kidding. But um, she was asking about it because she wants to take it, and she wants to give it to this girl that got saved to help her with her prayer life. Then the other day, we're at the bookstore, which, and she's wanting to buy a Bible to give to this girl to help her with her prayer life. And so what, what, what happened there? Why did she want to do that? Because there's a new fruit unto holiness. She wants to help someone now. Whereas maybe, I don't know, but let's say 15 years ago, she'd have been like, hey, what's wrong with that crazy girl? I don't know. Why is she so excited about prayer? Why is she so excited about these things? I don't know the timetable, and I'm just saying. But there's a new fruit. There's a change in your life. Whenever you start to walk in the Spirit, there's a change. But the sin always leads to being ashamed. Even now, the sinful life leads to us being ashamed. So the question I kind of want to think about is, we, well, verse 23 is a classic verse. It's one of the ones on the Romans road. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I don't think it's a funny place where he puts that verse. Great verse. I use it all the time when I'm leading some of the Lord. It's just kind of a funny place. Because we're coming off talking about how you can have victory in the Christian life. But then he goes back to remind us, hey, you were on your way. The payment for what your sin is, is death. But you do have eternal life coming. So in the middle of talking about sanctification, he reminds us again one day on heaven. But my question for you guys today as I wrap this up is, 
how what is your relationship to sin? And I, I, I don't I don't care if you're doing good on the whole murder thing, you haven't murdered anybody this week, great. Okay, care less. Murder's not ironic, pun no pun. Murder's not killing the church, alright? It's not. But when you line up the fruit of the spirit and the opposite of the fruit of the spirit, that's what I think is destroying a lot of homes and a lot of Christians. So where are we at with that? What's your relationship with sin? Is it bossing you around? Or are you not bossing sin around? Because you don't have the authority, remember. It's Jesus Christ that has the authority. So when you start to hear the boss of sin echoing in your mind, or you start to feel that pull towards the sin, like, I just have to do this, or I can't not do it, that's the moment when you got to realize, by faith, I'm going to trust in what God's Word says. I want to go there. I want to be quick-tempered. But God tells me to be long-suffering. And so God, the best I know how, though I feel like they deserve this wrath I'm about to give them, I'm asking you, God, to strengthen me to do this. It's that simple. And you know what? It almost sounds foolish. Just like if you were to try to tell someone how you got saved. Oh, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I, I prayed a prayer. To who? God. Did you see him? No. But you trust that he's going to take you to heaven now? You changed in one minute? Yeah. That sounds dumb. Well, guess what? I know I can overcome that sin. How? Well, I prayed and asked God to help me. You didn't even see him. Yeah. But you, you should be mad about that. You should worry about that. Yeah, I should. But I'm going to continue on and just trust God. Sounds dumb. Sounds too simple. But watch this week. As you feel that flesh pulling up, just ask God, God, I need you to help me right now. And then yield your members to your new master and not your old master. And see what happens. It's faith. Faith is a funny thing. It, it, it'd be a lot easier for us if we could just see it. If you could just be like, all right, give me three steps, and I do these three steps, and then I take this action and this action, and this automatically happens. No, it's faith. Faith is the trigger that allows you to see the victory. You've got to trust God. Sin's not your master. If you get through Romans 6 without knowing this truth, then I've failed. Sin is not your master. Jesus Christ is. Sin wants to destroy you. Jesus loves you. Sin wants to hurt your relationship. Jesus, Jesus Christ wants to build your relationship with God and help you to overcome sin. But faith is the trigger that allows that to happen. As you, by faith, yield your body to what you know to be true, even if it doesn't make sense, that's faith. Let's pray.